from field to table and flame to fork. The pursuit of the outdoor connection is ingrained deep within one's spirit. The draw to the flame of the campfire is felt from around the world. Why do we hunt? Pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. All right, here we are. Episode one of the Campfire Conversations for One Campfire. Uh, this is exciting. This is something we've been planning for over a year, and it's finally coming to fruition. Yeah, I'm, I'm finally, I'm glad we finally got to it, man. Yeah, for those that don't know, I'm Steve. I'm the social media manager and the everyday guy that runs the One Campfire social media on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I, I manage the YouTube channel and help coordinate a lot of things and basically the day-to-day stuff. Uh, that's me. And you can't really see him. And although he is on my right on this screen, we've got uh, the chair of uh, One Campfire, Jonathan Proctor, JP. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad we, we got to uh, get our first uh, podcast down in the books now. This is great. Um, you know, we've been talking about this a long time. And uh, I think we, uh, you know, we're going to be able to produce something that's going to have a, a wide interest for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this one campfire is about inclusivity, right? And and basically having a virtual campfire where everybody likes to sit around and, and have a big BS session and, and talk about things that matter to them. So this, this podcast isn't going to be centered on anything in particular. It's going to talk about a wide range of topics for everybody that enjoys the outdoors and the city and the backcountry, and the mountains, and the oceans, and the streams, and everything that we all share and have in common here. So there can be topics from, from hunting, to fishing, to cooking, to backpacking, to wilderness survival, to photography, to you name it. If it interests you, we want, we want to chat. So send us a message on social media, and, and let us know what you want to hear from us, and if, if you know any guests that kind of fit that bill. So yeah, that, that's what we're all about here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can use this podcast as an opportunity to, you know, to learn, you know, a lot of new things. You know, I certainly don't know everything about the outdoors. And I I know there's a lot of people out there that can teach me things. And I'm hoping that our listeners will come away with, you know, a a little more knowledge about the outdoors or or at least be entertained and, and, and hear some things that are interesting to them. Yeah, totally, totally. And like I said, it's about commonalities and we're, we're not as different as people may think, right? There's, there's so much that we share where it goes way beyond face value. And that's, that's what one campfire is. We're trying to facilitate those conversations and allow everybody to, to, to come together and and sit at a campfire, as I said. So this is exciting. Uh, this episode here, this is this is a guy I've wanted to talk to for for years since two thousand and nine. I've known about uh, this guy, Ken Scown, and if you Google him, you will see why we wanted to chat with him. Ken and his his buddy Jeff were attacked by a grizzly bear while camping. Yeah. So this this is this is fascinating to me. This episode. Yeah, I agree, Steve. I've been wanting to to listen to Ken's story from him for, for years as well. Uh, Ken and I know each other and we've, we've chatted, but uh, you know, I, I, I've never actually sat down and listened to his version of the events and, and, you know, I, you know, it's just really interesting hearing that his perspective. Um, yeah. I, I think that uh, there's a lot to learn here for a lot of people about oh, yeah. bears and camping and, and uh, you know, that's, that's the, 
big fear of a lot of people. You know, you're, you know, when the sun goes down and you're in your tent and you're in grizzly country, the imagination starts to start oh, to run away from a person sometimes. And uh, well, sometimes it's not just your imagination. You know, sometimes exactly. it, sometimes it's a grizzly. Exactly. And I remember seeing the news articles and reading it when back back before, well, Facebook was going at the time, but it really wasn't going at the time, seeing it on the online forums, right? And the, the way he, you could see it still fresh in his mind, the way he enunciates it and he gets those sounds going and it's, it's, it, it had me just enthralled. It really did. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it, it's such a interesting story and, and there's lots to learn from it. And, and you're right. I'd actually read a bit about the original events, you know, years ago, over 10 years ago. And, you know, honestly, even from reading those, you know, his story from years ago, it actually did change a little bit about how I camped even back then. I, I know, like, for me, we started for our base camps using a bigger tent. I didn't want a beard or mm-hmm. anything getting on top of my tent. I thought, well, a bigger tent has at least the psychological value of being big, right? Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I've thought about his story many times and, and to have the opportunity to sit down and, and hear it from him has just been just fantastic. I, I know it influenced me like immediately. Uh, I was always one that said, ah, well, I, I can have a snack or two in my tent or uh, I'll, I'll hear a bear coming. And I, I went out and after reading his story and, and bought a pack alarm as he, he talks about, and that's something I didn't use it on the, the fly in this year because we had three guys in the tent, but looking back at it probably would have been, been worth the wait. To, to bring along, but it, it is something I have used quite a bit in the back country. And as, as uh, our listeners will hear, you'll, you'll, you'll see just how vital that could have been at that time and has been to him since. So this is an exciting episode for us. Like I said, it's number one. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's any guests that you'd like to hear. Enjoy the listen and welcome to Campfire Conversations. The perception of hunting, you know, has changed. It's our duty now, our responsibility as hunters, to change it back. We've spent the last few decades trying, you know, espousing that that message, preaching that message about wildlife conservation. You know, it's fallen on deaf ears, all of our attempts. I think what what we have to do is is maybe uh, appeal to the emotional side or the visceral side we have to tell our story. We know what we are. We know how deeply we care about wildlife. It's just the people out there that are, that are you know, voting to get rid of hunting, they don't understand our stories. Sometimes we, we have to translate it to something that they understand. All right, episode number one of the Campfire Conversations. So this is uh, going to be a fun one. Uh, today's guest is Ken Scown. I would say that right, Ken? Yeah. Perfect. And uh, got my co-host here, Jonathan Proctor, JP. How are you doing? So this this one it goes back to what, Ken, 2009, if I remember yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, this, the title of this episode is I Was Attacked by a Grizzly. And that's pretty much what happened to you, Ken. So before we dive right down into that, I uh, want to get to know a little bit about you. Who are you? Where are you from? 
Yeah, sure. So I grew up on the cusp BC, uh, grew up hunting and fishing, have a real passion for the outdoors. I now live at the Slocan Junction, 15 minutes west of Nelson, BC. Uh, I'm a forester working for uh, BC Timber Sales and yeah, still have a strong passion for the outdoors and love fishing, skiing, hunting, the whole work. So I have two young kids, 17 and 14 and yeah, no, I'm enjoying life. It's, it's pretty good. Awesome. So did you grow up hunting or is that something oh, yeah. you fell into as an adult? Okay. Yeah, I know I've been hunting, following my dad around. I had great pleasure learning from my dad. I started hunting when I was following him around when I was six years old and lots of fond memories growing up in the cusp when the, in the heydays when you can go out and see some deer. And it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I grew up hunting and fishing. So fishing, hunting, camping, skiing, you name it. Awesome. What's your favorite animal to chase? Oh, geez, you know, it's, I know, it's, big, it's, big a, it's a toss-up. Uh, stone sheep, mule deer, alpine mule deer hunting, and, uh, well, unfortunately not anymore, but I, I love grizzly bear hunting. Yeah, yeah. dead. dead and you, uh, and you're I, at a college elk country. I know that from our past discussions. Yeah, yeah, no, I do love my elk hunting. There's no doubt about it, yeah. No, that sounds like there's a story there, JP. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I, I would be, uh, you know, doing the elk grind in the West Kootenays unsuccessfully. And then I'd check in with Ken and he'd show me some pictures of the elk that he got. So yeah, he's, he's a good elk hunter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, I've got one elk to my name. It was, uh, I had that, uh, 720A draw about oh, yeah. 12 years ago. And I put in, you know, and back when it was 2,500 cows and a hundred of the any sex, I put in, as the any sex as as uh nice. eh, if i get it i get it and i actually yeah. got it nice. so yeah i about three weeks before my hunt was supposed to start i tore my acl all to crap and wow. ended up being a road hunt in the snow but day two day two managed to see a small herd yeah. up in uh the del rio area i can yeah. say that because everybody knows it now yeah yeah and yeah it was uh oh well what is it it's an elk. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So backdrop was safe. And that, that was my first and only elk to my name. I ended up being a, a, a button bull. So nice. about an inch, inch right. long. It was, it was, it was some of the best eating I'd ever oh, had. Yeah. So yeah, I've never, in really... my opinion, elk is, is probably the best table fare, you know, followed closely by moose, but elk is just fantastic. Oh yeah. That's like I said, that's my one and only, but, uh, it, it's a fond, fond memory. So yeah, I've never really, never really got into chasing elk here in Prince George. I know a lot of local guys and a lot of my friends have done it. And there's been, there's been some monsters taken over the, the, the past 10 years or 15 years that it's been open, but yeah, it's, 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 it's something that never really bit me like some of the other animals out there. So (laughs) it'll bite you, it'll bite you hard when you get into a bugle fest with multiple bulls screaming at you. Oh, I've heard them. Shoot, we shoot most of our bulls at less than fifty yards. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, in the West wow. Coast here, I mean, most of the time where the elk are, you can't see past fifty yards. At least that's no. where we hunt, and uh, mm-hmm. you know they they got to get close before you even see them, and it's it's intense for sure. It's it's a quite a good hunt. I mean, it's tough though. Yeah, that's a wow. lot. It's, it's a rainforest, so it's it's a slog. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I know some of the timber, even around here, can be pretty thick, but it's nowhere near as thick as down there. Well, this yeah. this elk behind me that you guys can see, I, I shot that bullet about 60 yards, but when he first came in, he came in at about 20 yards, and all of, he was 20 yards away, and all I could see was the bottom of his legs. I couldn't even see his antlers. 
I wow. knew he was a bull because he came into my calls, but I didn't know whether he was legal. And uh, anyway, there's quite a story to that that hunt. But uh, yeah, 20 yards away, still couldn't even didn't see any antler at all. And that, that tells you something about the kind of country you hunt. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, and like just some of the best experiences though. Like I've, I've been on elk hunts. It's just you can hear them bugling as you said, and you get them going. It's just just being out there, as you know, right? Like oh, there's yeah. it's there's so much more to hunting that yeah. uh, it's it's the pulling the trigger is the last thing on our minds 99% of the time. Oh yeah. I've always equated, you know, just being out there, being out in the outdoors and the country mm -hmm. is 90% of it. Getting that animals, the, the icing on the cake, right? It's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And as, as hunters, we've, I guarantee you between the three of us, we passed more animals than we've ever, oh, yeah. ever even thought of raising, yeah. raising the scope up at. Right. And that's what that's it's all about. It's just getting out there on the landscape. Right. And, yeah. And I think full freezer is a bonus. Yeah. Especially as you get older too, I find, you know, when I first started hunting, I, I was pretty young. You're, you're pretty motivated to get an animal on the ground. And, mm -hmm. and now, you know, I've, a lot of days I go out and I fully intend not to shoot anything. You know, it's like, oh yeah, just, just want to be out there. want to hear some things, see some animals and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I think you, you sort of go through different stages in your hunting career and, and that's sort of where I'm at. I mean, I still like to fill the freezer, but, you know, I just like being out and seeing the animals and having those interactions. Mm -hmm. That's what's important to me. But Speaking of elk hunting, Steve, um, the next best thing from a calling perspective is turkey hunting. And yes. you, when you guys come out this spring, you're going to really enjoy that. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's, it's, a, it's a great hunt and it's really interactive. I think the, like next elk, there's nothing quite as interactive as, as a turkey. So you, you're going to enjoy that. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Just yeah. like I said, the, the, the scenery and new country and exploring and with, with good friends, right? That's, oh, yeah. that, 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 that's what hunting is, right? It's Absolutely. Just, yeah there's so much more to it than face value right and oh it is it's it's the experience i mean it's it's the food for sure but it's also just mm -hmm. that camaraderie and and you know that just connection to land and just being out there and and, and learning areas that you would never have the opportunity to see otherwise i mean i've even played right. a hunter that i wouldn't go if i wasn't a hunter and i've no. just seen i've seen more beautiful places than any one person ought to it's 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 incredible that's right there's there's that old adage what tag soup that's some yeah. of the most, that's some of the tastiest oh, yeah. things that there's out there. Right. I've yeah. bought way more tags than I've ever cut and oh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. like this year, this year I've got, I've got a fistful of tags and I haven't cut one yet. Yeah. And it's, I've got a full freezer, great yeah. memories full yeah. and, and, and full of great times. But yeah, it's, it, there's, there's so much more to it, right. Than face value and the, the scenery, the early mornings, the late nights, the, around the campfire, having great conversations, kind of like we're doing here yeah, over a virtual campfire. Right. But oh yeah, we've solved the world's world's problems many times around a campfire. <laughs> if it was only that easy. Yeah. Hey? yeah. And, and it's, yeah. It's, a few wobbly pops. Yeah. We can solve a lot of things. That's right. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> exactly. thought, you know, if you got, you know, some of the major world leaders around a campfire and yeah. hunting camp for a week, yeah, I, I think the world would be a better place, honestly. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. You'd, you'd, you know, guys would talk about stuff in a way that they, they probably wouldn't normally. And, mm -hmm. and the dialogue is usually pretty open and, and, uh, and fluid. Yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Totally. But the problem with that is, uh, you end up with people in your, in your spots, right? And yeah, well, that's, you don't want to get weird. That's mine. That's the problem. That, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So I know people are dying to hear. Uh, so let's just jump right into this. Uh, sure. This, this is how all our conversations start, right? You end up going off on a tangent, being hunters, oh, yeah. and yeah. yeah. So how campfires are. That, that, and that's what this is, right? It's meant to that's be cool. a virtual campfire. So 
I, I remember seeing the story on the forum in 2009 and I went, holy crap. And the pictures that accompanied it. And that, that's, that's something that I, I'm, I'm sure sticks with you even to this day. And you've probably told the story thousands of times, as you said, oh, and, yeah. and it, we're going to, we're going to trouble you for one more time. So sure, yeah, you bet. Let, let's start at the beginning. Where were you and what were you doing? So yeah, we started planning in September. We, we were both fortunate. We killed our bull elk in September and we were looking for something to go hunt in October. And both of us would want to go kill a Rocky Mountain bighorn. So started doing our research, uh, picked a spot there, White Swan Lake there, uh, got all our gear together and headed over there. I think it was October 12th, a Monday. And we hiked into our spot and, uh, you know, Typical of the, of the Kootenays, there wasn't a lot of flat areas. So <laughs> we put our tent on the side of a road. It was the only flat place we could find. Now, now was that a, a deactivated road or was that a road people were still driving on? No, it was a road closure. So, oh, road closure. Okay. Yeah. So wasn't too worried about traffic in that sense. But, uh, you know, I generally like to get off, off of main areas just because I just like to put my camp away from busy areas and I didn't know how busy it was going to be from other people uh, foot traffic and whatnot and disabled hunters and and we know that story so yeah we we got in there set up our camp the next day uh, started glassing and and saw didn't see a lot of sign Uh, and then it uh, we finally at the end of the day I think we spotted a decent ram but it was too late to go after it uh, woke up the next morning. This is uh, the 14th now, Wednesday morning, into a snowstorm. And on the way there, and, the, and before the trip, is super cold, like minus 20 over the East, East Kootenays, Canal Flats, and Vermeer. Snow, you know, bears, I know these Kootenays, I've hunted over there lots, and I, I, I know there are a lot of grizzly bears over there. But I thought, you know, gee, geez, would that mean that cold for that long? I thought, you know, they might be in hibernation by this time. So fast forward to the 14th to the Wednesday there and it's snow. Couldn't see hundred yards spent most of the day in camp. Like you just couldn't see anything. Right. Finally, it broke, did a couple, some quick glassing, didn't see much if I recall. And then we had to go find some water. And, you know, when, it, when it's, locked up solid like that we're hunting in about three inches of snow if i remember man we had to hike down the road probably three quarters of a kilometer checking all the culverts some jumping off the road checking culverts so we finally found some water came back and we you know we do the dehydrated meal thing right with your camp stove there and cooked up some meal there and you know i didn't have a very good sleeping bag so and as it turned out it probably saved my bacon uh i went to bed with like three layers of, of clothing on and a, a north a new north face jacket and you're in those mummy sleeping bags we all know what it's like my hunting partner should be a linebacker on a football team he's huge broad shoulders so we're in there like sardines and I zipped up my bag like right to the top, eh? Like, and I got a toque on. And I made the mistake, and I don't believe me, I don't do this anymore. I left my gun in the vestibule on top of my pack. We were both red for a while, and 
that's it. I'm uh, 10 o'clock. I'm calling it. I'm going to sleep. So I got my toucan sleep bag right up. 20 minutes of just about falling asleep. And all of a sudden, Ken, Ken, Ken. Jeff's yelling at me. I think there's a moose outside. I'm like, what? So I zip my sleep bag and I, I sit up. And we've all heard the unmistakable huff of a bear. Yep. I'm like, oh, oh, that's a freaking bear. So I yelled, get out of here, bear. Yelled it. And then Jeff, who's got a real deep, booming voice, get out of here. And all of a sudden, that's all you could hear was, <laughs> and the feet, you could hear the coming right for the tent. I'm like, oh, shit. And I just put my hand up like this, and I looked over at Jeff, and that's all I remember. And just, bam, she steamrolled that tent. I felt her bite my arm, my forearm right off the bat. And I just thought to myself, I, I can't believe this is happening. And she is all over me, just ragdolling me, trying to bite me as much as she can. I'm trying to roll over on, on my stomach, trying to protect my neck. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to fight back, but you're in a, it's like fighting in a burrito. You could, you know, it was yeah. just brutal. And then I'm screaming at Jeff. I knew he had his rifle in the tent, but I didn't know he didn't have one in the chamber. And I'm screaming at him. And now it's pitch black, right? It's 10 o'clock at night. And, and I'm yelling at him, shoot it, shoot it. And he doesn't know where I am. So he jacked the bolt back. Oh, jeez. And the bear's on top of me. just. And he uh, grabbed the bear and shoved it, pointed the gun to the sky, what he thought was the sky, right? You can imagine the tent's all folded around you. Stuff's that must happened. have just been chaos. Oh, it was total chaos. Like, I'm not kidding you. When she was on top of me, biting me and and just like moving me all over the place, I, my whole life flashed in front of me. I I thought of my kids at the time. My son was uh, five and my daughter was two, and you know, I was just like, this is this is awful. This is. I thought it was it. I, you know, I had read enough stories about bear attacks, especially mm. tent bear attacks and grizzly attacks and if you've done your reading and your homework most of them are fatal yeah they don't end well no and you know here i am and i'm like well that's it i'm fighting for my life you know i'm I'll do what i i take here i know i gotta protect my neck and so i'm trying to do that i'm screaming at jeff to shoot it and he pushed the bear shoved the gun up and it just went click he didn't engage the bolt back far enough oh. you'd imagine his <laughs> just start like feeling like oh oh, <clears throat> and then she turned and nailed him right hard in the forearm. Now he was just wearing a polypropylene shirt. He had a really good sleep bag, and she nailed him pretty good. And he kind of pushed pushed her, and that was it. So you know, Jeff and I thought, well, how, you know, afterwards, like, I'm going to say the attack lasted maybe thirty seconds, but it felt like yeah, forever. no kidding. Like no time kidding. just slowed right down, like right down. And, you know, it was black and she was all over me. And I remember the pressure she was putting on me, pushing me into the into the ground. It was like, holy cow. And I, and uh, so it just ended, like just boom, before I knew it was over. And Jeff got out of the tent somehow. I was so turned around, I couldn't even find anything. And he's like, what the? 
are you all right? And I said, oh, I'm all left up in here. I can't find anything. And so he's thinking my eyeballs are ripped out of my head. My scalp's gone or whatever, right? He was just freaked right out. I said, I can't get out of here. And he, he got me out. He finally found the door there. It was all crumpled. If you saw the pictures there, you could see. Yeah. Was, yeah. There wasn't a pole on that tent that wasn't. No. Open. Yeah, how would you find the door in that situation? I mean, you're just in oh, I know. bag yeah, at that point. Yeah, you're hooped. I mean, I, I asked him, how the hell did you get out? Like, I, yeah, it was just a no-go for me. So anyway, we got out. And I could feel my arm was throbbing. And I looked at Jeff. I could see he was leaking, and I could feel the blood running down my, my forearm a little bit. And we're just like a couple of guys with deer in the headlights, right? Like, get your gun loaded and that. And then I was so pissed off. I like, I want to go track it down. Right. And then you start looking in the snow and I could see probably a six and a half foot, seven foot sow. But then I saw that she had a, probably a two and a half year old cub with her cub tracks all around the tent and along with her tracks. So it was kind of weird in that, that perspective. And, you know, to this day, I, I, my personal opinion is, is that bear was, teaching that cub how to how to hunt mm -hmm. I, I honestly think it was a predatory attack the co didn't agree with me but but um, you didn't have any meat from a successful kill or i mean you, you guys were keeping a fairly clean camp just yeah. eating dehydrated food so yeah. it, it it seems unlikely that it was just a, a defensive or or trying to steal something you had type of attack it, i i agree that 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 seems awfully suspicious for predatory attack and i remember reading i, I think it was Stephen herrero's book a bear attacks their causes and avoidance, which you probably read too. And oh yeah, yeah. And and he talks about these these nocturnal grizzly attacks, and I think the majority of those are predatory attacks. Yeah. Well, I'll fast forward to this one on our way out, and I'll, um, on our way out. So what we encountered there is, of course, she ran away where we had to go back to the truck, and we could see her tracks following our tracks. That grizzly came off the mountain with her cub. And followed our tracks for 700 meters everywhere we went. So we went off the road, below the road, trying to find out. She followed our tracks straight to the tent. And you could see where she took off about 40 yards from the tent. And just, you know, she just ripped. Like, her. she just tore up the ground charging that tent, like, hard. I don't know how fast she was going when she hit that tent, but it, she was oh. smoking. Yeah, I remember seeing the pictures of it. Like, when you say destroyed it oh yeah, yeah. just yeah, absolutely no. flattened yeah we got out surveyed the tent and i'm like well our hunt's over <laughs> day two day three of a 12-day hunt it was over yeah you're not just putting some band-aids on and continue no. on no i remember there, there's a picture i'm not sure who, who sure whose arm it is but it's like yeah. this and there's a hole yeah. right about mid yeah. forearm and there's a piece of fat hanging out yeah like, that was it, Jeff's. Like, was it yeah. like that's 12 yeah. years ago and i still remember the picture yeah. Oh yeah, it was right. it was and, gnarly. I, I looked at him and I said, "Well, get out the first aid kits and wrapped our arms." And he's a he's a fireman, so he's a level level three responder there. So he he got her all taped up, and we taped ourselves up, and uh, then we lit a great big bonfire, right? And I stood watch with the gun loaded, and he got some wood, and we lit that big bonfire and gathered up our stuff and. Hiked out, right? Like the adrenaline at this time, you guys, mm -hmm. just absolutely pumping. It's dark. You don't know for certain if she's coming back or what, right? Like you're just ready and just, just. Yeah, like, yeah, like just, back then you don't have an inreach to hit SOS, right? So like, oh, and, and, yeah, 
that what was, was your first thought? That was a yeah. valuable lesson for for us, and I ended yeah. up going to get an in reach after that because, you know, it was day three of a twelve day hunt. Nobody would have come looking for us exactly for another nine days, right? Like at least, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in well, the, in that are, temperature too. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're bleeding out in that temperature, you're not going to last very long. No, yeah, it no. just shows how important it is to to be safe and have that communication. Like I like we discussed before, I went on a fly fly in and. September and yeah. I bought an inReach for it and I was able to communicate with every, with yeah. my wife and kid every night just yeah. so they knew that things were good. I can only imagine what would have went through your head like if you're on the top yeah. of a mountain or side of a road or yeah. in a creek bottom bleeding out by being attacked by something or you fall, right? Just that's insane. Like so what were what was your first thought? Was it we need to get out of here or was it uh, built as you said build a fire that wouldn't have been my first thought so that's kind of not where my thought process was. well you, you know first thought i'll be honest with you, the first thought is i wanted to kill that bear there's no doubt about it like you know there we are minding our own business bang you know and next thing you know we're getting chewed on and i yeah, you know, plus what if that bear is still alive and potentially in the area that's that's still a threat right oh yeah it, i just thought that to me i just thought this is crazy this is a predatory attack all the way so yeah, then then after that, after we could see that she'd left, it had been a few minutes by now, at least ten minutes. We thought we got to get a fire going, like get something hopping there, get some warmth. And so we got that going, and then we did some first aid on each other, and you know, and we had to do something. You know, the tent was the hunt was over, and we knew we had to get out and probably go to the hospital and get checked out and. And at this point, it's still before midnight, I guess, because you said it was oh, yeah. around 10. So you got a long night to wait. Did you yeah. spend the whole night there? No. Oh, good grief. No. Well, I think we started hiking out around probably 1230. I'm going to say we started hiking out. And we got into Cranbrook Hospital at about 330, if I remember correctly. And I, I imagine how the, the emergency room people would have been. No, really. We were bit by a grizzly. No, really. It was a grizzly bear. How yeah. did that go over? Yeah, well, I think they could probably tell by the looks on our faces, eh? Like we're, our adrenaline was still kicked in. We we're pretty, pretty in shock almost, right? Like it's, you know, I for both of us have young families, and and that for me, that's what hit home for me is just. And I read Stephen Stephen Herrera's books. I know I know what the chances are of surviving a, a tent attack. They're pretty low, and so yeah, no, we told them, and they they were pretty quick to quick to action and yeah what was so the, you have, the injuries so i got i got nailed right here yeah Can't even tell anymore and i didn't i didn't know at the time until i took my pants off that she got me in the leg oh wow uh, i don't know if it was a bite mark or a claw mark uh, a couple of punctures there and then i had bruises all over my back and all over my ribs and you know i i credit uh, my jacket and clothing for saving me. And I definitely credit Jeff for saving my life. If it wasn't for him pushing that bear, I think, I think that attack could have lasted a fair amount longer. Mm. And who knows what the outcome would have been after that. But, uh, wow. So yeah, we both, I think we both got tetanus shots and uh, they don't do, they don't stitch you up or anything like that for bear attacks. Hey? Like, oh unless, yeah. They're worried. I think the wounds that. are probably too dirty for that. eh? Yeah. Did uh, you probably want on antibiotics for a while, I guess, after that? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you 
did they even give you a t-shirt that said I was attacked by a grizzly and all I got <laughs> no. was this t-shirt? Like you, you no. figure, cause I know there's been a few attacks in Cranbrook since. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah I, I tell people I've had, I probably used up my nine lives with grizzly bears. Uh, I'm a forester, spent a lot of my career running around the bush. And prior to that attack, I, I've stumbled on three grizz kills and never got attacked. Just wow. pure, pure fluke. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, and in East Kootenays, their their grizzly bear population super high. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had close encounters archery elk hunting over there. Um, I wouldn't go over there hunting without in archery season with a shotgun strap on my back. That's for sure. Wow. Yeah. So now it's been years since the attack. Do, yeah. Have you done much tent camping since then? Yeah, you bet. So I, I, you know, I, and initially after the attack, I, I, I told my ex-wife at the time, I said, uh, I'm probably not going to go solo backpack hunting anymore. Yeah. I think that lasted about four, four years. And I, I love backpack hunting, especially alpine mule deer hunting. So I went into one of my favorite spots in 2014. Not quite sure what I was thinking. It's also an area where, it's the highest density of grizzlies I've ever seen, but it also has really big mule deer. <laughs> That's what drew me there. Anyway, make a long story short, short, I hiked up into this alpine basin and there was grizzly diggings that day all over the place. I'm um, like, this wow. is crazy. By myself, I bought one of those pack alarms off of HPC. I've got one too. Yeah. Uh, I brought <laughs> those too. They're great. Yeah, I bought one of them after the attack. So I get set up on this ridge and I set that pack alarm up around my tent. Half hour to go, I start glassing. I'm like, oh, there's something there. Oh, oh yeah. It's a great big sow grizzly with two, two and a half year old cubs, 500 yards from camp and making their way towards me. I'm like, "Uh oh, here we go. Right. Like, and it got dark and I lost them. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just brutal. So I laid there. Like Homer Simpson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that blink, the Homer Simpson stare when yeah. you ask him to do a math question. I'm yeah. like, they're wide eyed, laying there like Homer's. Didn't get a lot of sleep that night. Boy, no. I'll tell you that. Oh, I can, I can imagine. And the next morning, this is the funny part. So <laughs> I got up and I tripped the, the pack alarm wire <laughs> trying to get out. Yeah. Thought, That's not supposed to work like that. When I put that pack, I went the wrong direction. Wrong direction. Oh. Wrong. So the only way that blessed alarm would have went off if the bear was trying to get out. Get out. He's already <laughs> so, finished his attack. <laughs> yeah. SMRT. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we Jeff and I actually we went out two years right after the attack. We went in the Alpine, another one of my favorite Alpine spots in Region 8. We thought, oh, Region 8, there's fewer grizzlies in Region 8. Mistake. Nope. <laughs> we, woke, we woke up to a grizzly rolling rocks down in the basin we were camped in. Yep. Um, the very first night we're laying there, same friggin' scenario. 20 minutes. I've just turned my headlamp off. This time I got my gun and a big knife laying beside me. You do not want to come by our tent in the dark, I'll tell you. Right. <laughs> but now, now it's your uh, approach pretty well, I guess, eh? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, the pack alarm starts going off. Well, we, we bolted up. I looked at him and he's like, are you shitting me? I'm like, you got to be kidding. So it's like headlamps on guns loaded. 
And we sat there. Ten minutes went by, nothing. I'm like, what's going on? So I I got up, went out there. It was super windy. A branch hit the line. Oh, God. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, no, I, I have gone backpack hunting. It's taken a while. I'm not going to lie. It took me a few years to get comfortable. I, I now don't have a problem sleeping in a tent. But sheep hunting a few years ago in 219, and I, I can sleep okay now. But yeah. I, yeah, I would think, I mean, most guys have trouble without ever having had a bad encounter with the grizzly have yeah. trouble sleeping out in the bush. Like a lot of guys do. I yeah, like that's, that's something to get back on that horse and get out there mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah. pet it again. I mean, yeah, that's, that's something. I, I you know imagine what, the, it, the, the, it, go ahead. See. Go ahead. Go ahead. What saved it for me a little bit or well, a couple of things. Um, my employer uh, got a uh, critical incident stress debriefing. I had that like right after the attack. So, Right. Was able to Good. work through that. That that was a, a real positive. You know, the other thing for me was I never saw the bear, eh? I, right. I, I don't have the image of the bear or anything in my mind at all because it was just black. Just black. Yeah. It's, other than the sound. The sounds, I'll never forget the sounds. I can imagine. Uh, but, um, yeah, I never saw the bear. So that that helped me, I think, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, I imagine when you got to the hospital and you were all, I would not, can't even say stitched up, but we looked after yeah. the conservation officers were contacted, I imagine. Right. Yeah. Did they do, they were, do an investigation. They did. Yeah. So we uh, left the hospital, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning, drove back to Nelson. And, you know, of course we contacted the COs and mm-hmm. they went out to the site and investigated and determined that it was probably a defensive attack. And, I, I pleaded the case with the COs. I mean, you know, when you see bear tracks fall on your tracks for three quarters of a kilometer, every step you take, mm-hmm. to, to me, that that's more predatory behavior, absolutely. But um, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I, and I've I actually just had that this last fall. Uh, we had killed a moose, and and uh, mm-hmm. we had had it all got it all skinned and ready to pack out, and we took the we we're taking the first load out in the snow there was a good four or five inches of snow and within about 30 yards where we'd been you know skinning this moose there's grizzly tracks in the snow obviously just sitting there watching us from a close distance while we, yeah. we were doing this we lost the moose to the grizzly uh but we had come up to where the moose was just through the bush we, we weren't on a trail we were just yeah. bushwhacking you know and and that bear had followed us all the way down from the lake all the way up to that moose like it was on our tracks for almost a kilometer uh wow you know, a, a grizzly and and not on a trail. So it's not like the grizzly just happened to be on the same trail we were on. It was, it was tracking us. It was a predatory yep. move and, yep. and maybe had had experience with the hunters before and realized there might be a free meal at the end of the tracks. Yep. And there was this time, which unfortunately has, has reinforced to this bear that, you know, humans yep. are associating humans with food. Right. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they are a threat in, in the right situation. They can be, be a big problem. Yeah, yeah, you, you experienced it. The guys in East Kootenays know it. Uh, when you shoot your rifle over there, you, you better mm-hmm. be prepared. Dinner like bell. Dinner bell, right? Like, for now, we do the gutless technique on everything we, we get out there now just to, to eliminate that odor. Right. And they know that, right? So they can smell that. We all know bear's best defense is their nose. So That's right. Um, yeah, so I, we're trying to do that more and more. But we, like, when we're... I, we both, both Jeff and I don't like evening hunting that much anymore. Uh, just, we shot an elk and well, it was two ten the following year. 
go out in the evening and we knew there was a big grizzly with two cubs in the same drainage and that freaked us out and we packed that elk out in one go just about killed us but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny you say that ken uh, my hunting partner and i don't hunt elk in the evenings anymore either uh yeah. it's it's just because most of the time where we seem to get elk it's so thick yeah, and uh, we just feel like, you know, yeah. a, a rifle with telescopic sight on it in those situations is semi-useless. And, and uh, you know, once it gets dark, it's it's a dangerous situation. We've, we've been in that situation a number of times. And every time we do, we, we swear we're not going to do it again. So we just quit hunting at night. Yeah, you got to count. Yeah, you got to count six, right? And you're trying to yeah. you cut your scope yeah. out. And, yeah, same thing. Sometimes, you know, most of the time you're hunting in timber and it's dark well before in the timber well before it's dark out in the open so yeah we're trying to avoid it and we know living in the kootenays there's lots of grizzlies so you always yeah. have to have that in the back of your mind for sure so this another question uh, just swinging back to the uh you, you mentioned uh, getting was it a little bit of counseling post-traumatic type yeah. counseling yeah. after what was that like like how did they approach that like how did the counselor approach that with you yeah so it was a critical stress incident debriefing i think was a technical name for it. and they just walked through like you know what happened how do you feel um asked us a bunch of questions like that and just kind of made us relax and relive it a little bit but help on the process terms. yeah help us process it and yeah it was good hmm. that was definitely a, a good thing yeah i could so i could see that being used so so speaking of going back to it have you been back to the spot of the attack nope no, actually, that, we haven't been we haven't been bighorn sheep in, since, believe it or not. So it's it, it's a personal choice then, or just uh, that area. I'm looking for sheep areas, basically. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> yes, send Steve the uh, GPS coordinates, and he'll go check it out for you. I'd love to go back. Honestly, I would love to go back to. Uh, I I love sheep hunting, right? And I just. Yeah. For our last few years, well, since 2009, since the GOS here for elk, we've been hunting elk right hard to October 20th, up until a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, that's probably the main reason why we just haven't gone. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty good. So it's not really a, I don't want to go visit the scene of the crime. It's that, yeah. well, hey, I like elk, hunt, elk hunting a bit too much. Hey, one second, guys. I got to let my kids in the door here. They're locked up. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's not that cold outside. It gets no, well, what is what's what is the temperature there? This would be a neat little oh, interlude for people. It's uh I think it was about minus three a little while ago, so it's still minus pretty warm. Three. Come yeah. on. It's oh, like yeah, minus it's, it's like minus nineteen here. Oh yeah. yeah. We we'll probably go all winter without seeing minus nineteen. That that that's really cold for here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> That's not, not, not around like right out of town. If you get north of town and things like that, you can get some colder temperature, but right, right around Nelson, it doesn't really get that cold. <laughs> it doesn't awesome. seem to. So the kids are inside and warming up. Yeah. And what do you do different? Do you do anything different or other than the pack alarm? Yeah. You know, we've done some alpine hunting and, and it's a little bit different alpine hunting. Cause I know for sure at that time of year, they're definitely on the boat. So I got some mesh bags for my food and whatnot, got lots of rope, and I put the food probably 150 yards from camp up a tree now. Started doing that probably right after. Um, uh, other than that, you know, 
Not a lot different other than that. Other than the in-reach too, I got an in-reach for safety and, and calling out. Um, you know, I, we got we got criticized about where we put our tent, right, right on the side of a road. But, you know, I, if I had to do it again, I'd probably put the bloody tent in the same spot. There was nowhere else to go. Nowhere yeah, flat. You're, yeah, and you're the community's here a lot of times. That is, like, we've camped right on roads too because yeah. not that we wanted to, but there's just yeah. no other place to camp. Not roads that people were actively yeah. driving yeah. down, but. Yeah, yeah. I've done that. Well, and there was eight inches of snow or whatever in the timber and, and uh, lots of blowdown in that area where we're, and it just wasn't feasible to, to put the tent anywhere else. So if you have an option, you think about where you put your tent for sure. You want to think about where, where you're putting your tent off trails for sure. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, that, that's while we're thinking about it. Sorry, JP. I do remember seeing a news article that said that you guys had camped right, right. on a grizzly migratory uh, path. Yeah, it was just laughable. Was that the CBC reporting that? I don't remember who it was, but I remember it. Global? Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is, I mean, it's it's not primarily hunters that are going to be listening to this podcast. It's going to be people with other outdoor interests as well, Um, you know, just campers and hikers and, you know, other other types enjoy the outdoors. So say somebody's listening to this that, has zero experience camping in grizzly country and yeah. and they're coming up to you and saying hey you know i don't want to end up in your situation what can i do to prevent that from happening what what kind of advice would you give that person well if one if they're comfortable packing a firearm i would definitely have a firearm um i do that is something different i do when i'm alpine hiking in the summer if i know i'm going into G bear habitat, I pack gun. I, I pack I, bear mace too. Right? I can imagine bear mace would have done you absolute squat, except marrying you in a tent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What a collapsed her lungs, right? Like, he, and, and, you know, I saw that the, the feedback from all the, the newspapers. Oh, we should have used mace and this and that. But if anybody's ever used mace, let me tell you, we have practiced it. One little whiff of that yellow gets to you, and you no, cannot does. stop crying and coughing. It is it, nasty. And what are you going to do inside of a tent? I mean, you, you oh, can it's spray your, game over. Exactly. The, the the bear has a barrier between it and the and the yeah. spray, right? So you're going to be yeah. just oh, you're a goner. Yeah, debilitating yourself, not the bear. So a couple other things. I you definitely want to put your tent away from major areas. So you can see bear trails sometimes, but you know, creeks are famous bears like to navigate along creeks and whatnot, right? Don't be putting your, Oh, everybody likes to put their camp near a Creek and this and that, but boy, if you can avoid it, I definitely would. I'd get a pack alarm for sure. I, I recommend everybody get that pack alarm. It's super light, eight ounces. You can put a 300 yard perimeter around your, your camp. That's a, that's a good thing to do for sure. I have a headlamp. I wear my headlamp now when I go to bed with the toque. Most of the time when I'm camping late in the fall, I like sleeping with a toque on. I, I don't like the sleeping bag right up to my nose. I just, it's not yep. comfortable for me. So I just throw a toque on. I got my rifle in the tent loaded. I'll tell you that there no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And for a while I had a big Bowie knife laying there beside me too, but I don't do that anymore. It's just, <laughs> all it takes is you just slip off the cot in the middle of the night or the <laughs> oops so yeah those are some things i do differently any enough early season when you got maybe perhaps more food or certainly if you're you're cooking or roasting food keep it 
keep that stuff away from your camp. Coolers, if you're near, keep that stuff locked up in your vehicle and away from where you're sleeping for sure. Yeah, we, on a fly-in, we had our uh, a cooler, well, not really a cooler, but a tote, because it was cool enough outside, of uh, uh, our, our freeze-dried meals. Even that was... Uh, 75 yards away from camp and uh our one of the moose we got was probably in a straight line half a kilometer from camp up hanging in the trees so we we wanted no part of it and yeah it's little things like that that you don't you don't really think of right oh i can i can have a my my coffee in the tent or i can have my breakfast in the tent yeah it might be a little more comfortable than sitting out in the wind but i can tell you in the morning it was all right well somebody go grab four freeze-dried meals and bring them in it was a lot safer so yeah yeah pretty strict rule in our tent or teeping not to eat in there not to cook in there and uh, we don't have any food in there uh i i would uh say uh we started using a pack alarm as well ken and, and uh yeah. those things work we, we we only had it go off once from a grizzly um but yeah. it did it, it was about a, a midnight and a grizzly came in we'd seen the grizzly earlier in the evening yeah and uh he came in and and the pack alarm itself scared the bear away it did eh? because yeah, yeah. It, it, we had the one that had the alarm and the led light oh yeah and cool. uh and yeah it's it, it it was loud the bear ran away and uh we could hear it coming in before it hit the pack alarm. We could hear it walking in. Yeah, it hit oh, the pack wow. alarm, alarm went off. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a believer. I mean, I find with the pack alarm, because for me, the, the fear, especially in a small tent, is you're not going to wake up until the bear's on top of you, you know. And with the pack alarm, you know, the primary advantage is even if you don't scare the bear away with the yeah. sound, at least you're going to be awake and you can maybe deal with the situation. In our situation, I tell people this, it wouldn't have been that big of a help because what would have happened is that park pack alarm would have went, and then a second and a half later, Bang. the bear would have been on top of us. It's really good for a curious bear, though. That situation yeah. you're in, bears, you know, maybe following your tracks, trips it. Now it's probably startled a bit. You've got the time to get your gun loaded, her headlamp on, and maybe outside the tent, figure out what's going on. Right? It gives just gives you that little bit of extra time, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, that's- yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about, you know, the the number of times we've had bears coming to camp. Not just at night. We've had several bears coming at night, but also during the day, we've had bears charge our camp. Oh yeah. And I did the. I, I figure I've I've probably spent about three hundred nights in a tent of some sort or under a tarp yeah. in my life uh you know i used to guide and and you know I, I usually spend at least 10 or 12 nights in a tent every year hunting and i think it's been eight or nine times that i've had we've had bears coming to camp grizzly bears uh so that's that's like two and a half percent of the time that's actually not insignificant so yeah. round that down to two percent of the time it means one out of 50 nights or one out of 50 days or nights that you're in a tent in grizzly country at least for us a bear yeah. is going to come into camp. So uh, that's a person needs to be thinking about that as mm-hmm. something that's not all that unlikely to happen. Yeah. 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 And that's why that, that article you wrote on, on the website, JP is, is great about wilderness camping and bear country. There's some great, great takeaways in there. And the number one is to, to the, the one thing that people need to realize is it's not never going to happen to you. 
It might not, but there's a chance that it will because there's three of us chatting right now and it's happened to one of us, right? And we, the other two have had bears in camp. So knowing how to prepare for, for, for something that could happen like that is, could save your life, right? Yeah. And, and well, I think for anybody listening, I mean, I think there's a, a certain zeitgeist out there among some campers and hikers that, that somehow grizzlies aren't really a threat. And if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. And, and, you know, in many cases that might be true, but that is manifestly not always true. So yeah. I think whenever you're in grizzly country, a person's got to be thinking about a grizzly attack as a real possibility. Yeah. Be ready. Well, for it, was, it. it was interesting. After we got back from that attack, we we're talking to the CO. The CO did tell us that there was uh, a hunting camp down the bottom that got their tent camp totally ransacked by a grizzly. They figured it was a grizzly. And the following year, I'm pretty sure it was the following year after our attack, um, my kids knew a fellow that was trying to get a hold of me at their elementary school. And I unfortunately was unable to get in touch with them. But he believes he probably ended up shooting that bear that came into their camp. It came into their camp in broad daylight. And he figures the same, same sow. Super wow. aggressive, full-on charge. So I, I, I'm a big believer that bears are kind of like humans. There's just the bad, there's the odd bad apple out there. That's right. Bad temper. And yeah, they're just kind of looking for a fight. That's right. We've we've seen that with black bears. Uh, You know, we've had, we've had black bears charge us that, you know, if it, if I hadn't been with one other person, we would have got, like if if it had been a single person, I think the attack would have actually happened Yeah. because just the attitude of the bear, you know, they're, You know, you're just yep. walking down an old groaning logging road and they're stalking you and charging yep. you. And, yep. you know, and these are boars. These aren't sows that are yep. protecting cubs. And uh, they're just deciding whether it's worth it or not. Unfortunately, so far, at least for me, they've decided that it's not. Um, yep. But yeah, it's there are bears out there that have a, a seeming chip on their shoulder, it seems. I'll never forget one time we were camped in the Alpine. This was going back 30 plus years ago, a buddy of mine. And, uh, Wake up first thing opening day and the tent is like right at my eyelids. I'm like, what is going on with this stupid tent? And unzip the tent. It snowed probably six inches <laughs> at least. So we get our gear on September 10th and we don't walk 10, maybe 15 feet from camp. And there is a massive grizzly track. Like, I don't know, 10 minutes old, whatever. It walked wow. right around our entire tent. Both of us had no idea, never heard a thing. Of course, it's in the snow, relatively dry snow. And that bear circled our tent and went up the valley. <laughs> we actually saw that bear later that morning. Wow. Yeah, we, it was a huge boar. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, the bears bears are curious. They, they'll, yeah, absolutely. They'll, yeah, they'll check you out. And, and certainly if you've got a food source, they'll definitely yeah. take advantage of it. 99% of them are going to leave you alone, but it's oh, yeah. that 1% yeah. that's yeah. going to give you a problem as you know, right? And yeah. yeah the, the, one of the closest, uh, if we're swapping a few bear stories here, I'll, I'll tell you a story that happened when I was guiding. Uh, I, me and another guide had taken a couple of hunters up mountain goat hunting and yeah. we went to a, a uh, there's a very small windowless cabin up there that had two little beds in it just a basically a place to get out of the rain. So the hunters slept in there and we slept about 30 yards in front of it in this little grassy opening in, in a tent. And we were just laying there about 10 o'clock at night, just 
chatting away and all of a sudden we hear some steps we're like geez what's that and uh so we, we get quiet and, and yeah this thing's just walking toward it. It, it there was no snow but it was this was probably sort of mid-september it had been dry so it was really sort of crunchy vegetation this this grizzly there's only grizzlies up there walked and it pushed its head against the the, the, the zipper was at our feet yeah and it pushed its head against the tent where our heads were and we had what my rifle was in the in the tent and we didn't yeah. have any flashlight and yeah. it was a pretty dark night so i uh I gave the rifle to the other guide and I said, I'm going to open, well, no, actually I opened the, the tent, yeah. which was on the opposite side of where the bear was. And I just shot into the night. Right. Yeah. And then I gave the rifle to the other guide and I grabbed my sleeping bag and I says, I'm going to try to get to the cabin and get a flashlight. Cause we felt totally helpless though. Like you just can't see oh, anything. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I grabbed my sleeping bag and, and I thought I'm going to make a sprint for the cabin. If, if this grizzly comes at me i'm gonna throw my sleeping bag at it i thought well maybe that will tie him up for me <laughs> chew into that or something probably wouldn't have worked but what it was going to do right so yeah uh so i did that i i i think i probably broke all world records for the 30 yard dash to that yeah. cabin um yeah and i got to the door and of course the, the hunters had, had it tied shut from the inside so i'm pulling on the store and they had to open it up they got a light when i they got a flashlight too this up like a minute later it took a long time and so i shone the light into the timber beyond where the tent was and, and you, you can see the bear standing there. Then it just wandered off. We never saw it again, but yeah, you know, he, I'm not sure he was predatory or what, but, uh, yeah. but he was awfully curious. So we, we all spent uh, the night in that little cabin and I, I, I was charged with laying in the floor on the floor in front of the door. The door had like gaps between the slats of wood yeah. and, and you could, you could sort of see if something walked in, if something would walk in front of the door, it would, it would block out yeah. the slats. Right. So I thought, well, yeah. if I see, if I see darkness walk in front of those slats, I'm shooting through the door. But um, <laughs> but it didn't. It, we never saw the bear again. But that was that was probably one of the most intense encounters I've had at night. I can imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, like I, it could have been a four foot bear, and you would have been the same thing, right? It's oh ab- yeah, that's the, the thing. It the did, darkness does weird things to you, right? Yeah. It's you go out to take a leak out of your tent, and the first thing I'll do at two in the morning, even in even in full moon, no, not a cloud is I take the headlamp and I glass all around 360 yeah. degrees and go, okay, there's no eyes staring at me and I'm still doing it while I'm standing there. Right. It's, you, you gotta be safe. So before yeah, I'll we tell got, you the story of my ex-wife and I were moose hunting, Chetwood, saw a grizzly that day, a couple kilometers away, truck hunting. So we're sleeping in the back of my truck Toyota with a canopy. The blessed canopy leaked, so I had a tarp over it. It was pouring rain. Been there. Put the food in the cab of the truck, thinking, oh, this is good. Starting to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, bang, the whole truck starts moving, and the snorting sound that bear was, could smell the food in the truck. Snorting away and pushing, rocking the truck, like seriously rocking the truck. I got up. And I'm lit, I'm yelling at this thing, and I'm load. I got my gun loaded. I'm like, I do not want to shoot this gun in this canopy. We're going to lose our hearing in here. But, so it finally goes away, and I'm laying there. She says, uh, "Is it going to go away? Is it going to come back?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I haven't asked him. Five five minutes later, bang! It comes back again. This time he's really mean in business. I thought for sure he would have broke the window the way he was hitting and rocking and rolling that truck. Now I'm pounding on the side and it finally scared it. And I jumped outside, 
uh, Xbox or uh, was X Files with this with the flashlight on top of my my scope of my gun flashing around, and it jumped in the truck, cranked up the music, and we got out of there. That was the end of that camp spot. <laughs> so it wow. just goes to show, like you you know, you put your food in your truck, and they can smell it. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. You're right about that. Um, one thing I've started doing when my truck's nearby when I'm camping is having my keys handy. You can hit that panic button. Yeah. yeah. And I've often thought if I ever bear come yeah. in when I'm close to my truck, I'm going to do that because that, my truck's obnoxious when you hit that button. I figure, you know, that might be enough to dissuade a bear, at least push oh, yeah. it back a bit. Is that really practical to bring on a fly in hunt, though, JP? Bring your truck? Well, it's worth <laughs> it for that panic button, you know, grizzly country, I think, you know. But no, that that's the, yeah. You know, I have the feeling, you know, we're going to have to get together, the three of us, and ex- just have a, a podcast where we just exchange, you know, bear encounter yeah. stories. Cause, uh, oh, yeah, I've got a few you, of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I do too. And, and uh, yeah, if the, it, it, I'm sure you start thinking about it, they, it makes you realize how lucky you guys have been yeah, in, in if, some of these situations. If, if any of our listeners want to hear something like that, let us know. Send send yeah. us a, a message and say, hey, we'd love to hear some bear stories. And I'm sure we could get together uh, a motley crew, so to speak, of, people that have got some uh some cool ones some funny ones some ones that'll make you pucker a bit but uh before we wrap it up we're going on an hour here and holy crap that was that was quick um like five minutes that was really interesting so yeah do you if you had two key takeaways for people hunters or non-hunters about camping in the backcountry what would they be two key takeaways well um I think for sure, expect the unexpected, uh, be prepared, um, put your camp spot in a wise spot if you can. Uh, and then I guess the other takeaways, keep your food well away from camp. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's good advice, Ken. Yeah. What about you, JP? I'm going to put you on the spot there. Well, you know, from my experience camping in grizzly country, um, I would say, Probably the primary thing is if you're in an area where you're seeing a lot of fresh grizzly sign, find another place to camp. Yeah. Uh, You're just increasing the probability of an encounter if if they've been there, you know, within 24 hours. And the other thing is actually mirror something Ken said is is, as much as it is pleasant falling to to sleep with the sound of a creek, you you also can't hear anything around a creek. And, uh, you know, I I think... uh, you know, I, I've, I've woken up with, well, for example, my, my hunting partner and I were up at Toshodi and three nights we had grizzlies come to camp and we heard them come in. You know, if it had we been by a creek, we wouldn't have heard anything. And because we heard them come in, we were able to respond and scare them out, right? Yeah. So make sure you can hear your surroundings. And wind, wind's the same thing. If it's really windy, yeah. That, yeah. that's pretty scary. And, and, and there's nothing you can do about that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe one, one other thing I would say is, uh, get a pack alarm. I mean, a pack yeah, alarm, sure. like Ken said, that's yeah. going to dissuade a curious bear and a, and a yeah. curious bear could turn into a predatory bear in yeah. a, in a heartbeat yeah. if it decides to. Yeah. 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 For me, it's the same thing. I'm going to echo what you guys said about expect the unexpected, uh, keep your head on a swivel type thing at night. And to, to add on to that now we can, we can let somebody know where we are at any time with, with an inReach or uh, a Zolio or something like that. Right. Before you go to bed at night, message somebody. And when you wake up in the morning, message somebody and yeah. you, you see people that have their inReach and they got it on their backpack or, 
or off to the side of their tent. Me, I always keep it on my bino harness or put yep. on okay. my sleeping bag. So it's yep. right there. If, if, if shit goes sideways, it's right there. I don't, I don't have to reach too far. So awesome. Well, that was a great yep. conversation. Uh, yep. Totally appreciate your time, Ken and yeah, JP. JP, it's been a slice as always. And yeah. Yes. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate your time. And, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to have you on here again sometime to talk more yeah. about, about a wide variety of topics. I mean, you, you, yeah, know, you have a lot of knowledge and about mm, a lot yeah. of things and yeah, we'll have you back. Well, all right. Sounds good. So thanks everyone for listening to episode one of campfire conversations. We'll see you soon.